Do you know much about taking the bus around Loudoun County? Well, if you don't, it's time to get bus savvy, because Loudoun County Transit can take you just about anywhere you need to go. To work, shopping, doctor's appointments, the movies, you name it. And it's really affordable, too. All Loudoun County Transit buses can accommodate accessibility needs, and if you have an emergency, you might qualify for the Guaranteed Ride Home program. Want to know more? Go to loudoun.gov slash rider information. This is the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, located at 2410 Grand Avenue in Laramie and in the Frontier Mall on Del Range in Cheyenne. The 7220sports.com kickoff show is also sponsored by Wild Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, Warren's Repair and Towing, and Rocky Mountain Shirt Works. Jared Newland, the Wyoming Cowboys have won three games in a row after an absolute clunker in the opener in Illinois. Who saw that coming, not to mention a, probably the most complete win, arguably the most complete win of the Craig Bowl era last Friday night inside War Memorial Stadium? Yeah, pleasantly surprised with how the Pokes performed against Air Force last Friday night. That was fun to watch, fun to be at. And, um, you know, I've, that first drive definitely set the tone for the, for the Wyoming Cowboys. 15 plays as you said, flip the script on the Falcons because that's a drive that they would have done. Yep. Seven and minutes and 32 seconds. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And yeah, I mean, it was seven passes, seven runs, plus a field goal. But, you know, they only get a field goal out of it. But the most important thing I saw out of that, I mean, were points, obviously. It was disappointing they didn't get a touchdown, but they got three points, and they kept the Air Force offense off the field. They sure did. So the Cowboys win, knock off the uh, Mountain Division front runners, the team that was picked to win it in Las Vegas in the preseason. To me, you know, you mentioned it. That was definitely set the tone. But to me, game ball for offensive coordinator Tim Polisek. You just said it. Seven, seven runs, seven passes. When's the last time Wyoming's had a drive like that, let alone in the Craig Bowl era? It just doesn't happen. And I mentioned it week one about, you know, those short passes are the extension of the run game. Absolutely. I can't believe that Air Force was playing off the ball that far. They were. And they just keep doing it. Just keep doing it because they were giving them five yards every time. Absolutely. As long as Peasley Gate got the ball on the mark, they were catching them too. I know fans might cringe when I say this, but that's what this staff has been talking about with a re-engineered offense. It's not going nuts. It's not going over the top, although we have seen the Cowboys do that a couple of times. Tulsa, a couple of long touchdown passes. But what it is is – Andrew Peasley completed 78% of his passes. When you And he threw a pick. Uh, but when that was his lone mistake. And when you can complete 78% of your passes and possess the run game the Cowboys do, because to me, Jared, the unbelievable stat out of this whole game is 180 to 171. The Cowboys outrush the Air Force Falcons. That yeah, doesn't happen. If you look at the 50-some game history of this series, there's... I'm going to say maybe a handful maybe. where Wyoming outrushed Air Force. <laughs> That's generous. Yeah. The other beauty in this one, too, I thought, Jared, was Titus Wynn looked like Titus Wynn. Uh, it appears his rib injury maybe is a thing in the past, we hope. Um, but 102 yards, 19 carries, and just a back-breaking third and 13 pickup on that last drive of the game to seal the deal on this one. Yeah, and then you go back to the touchdown before that where he was on the five-yard line and that was a man's man's run. Yes, it was. I mean, he if you look at the replay of that, 
he was dang near down. I mean, his butt had to be a couple <laughs> inches from the ground, and he was like doing all this awkward motion. He spins and keeps going towards the end zone. He gets a little assistance from the offensive line, but a lot of it's just his legs plugging along that got him into the end zone. He's a tough runner, man, and, and Dwayne McNeely really adds a different element. Um, I don't want to say Wynell Selden, Devin Moore type of stuff, but kind of. I mean, and even Craig Bold mentioned after the game that he just, DeWine's got such a different running style that it just kind of messes with your eyes a little bit where you're a defender and you got a totally different kind of cat to bring down than Titus Wynn. You're talking about thunder and lightning? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not calling him that. I don't know if it's that yet. Um, It's different. Yeah, McNeely, he is so close to breaking one of those those zone plays. I mean, mean, you saw it at the UNC game. You saw it against, against Air Force once again. He is going to break one of those. Yeah, can't wait for him to get rid of that club. I think that'll give the coaching staff more confidence to give him more carries. You know, I asked Craig about that a couple weeks ago, that is DeWine a guy that if Titus, heaven forbid, went down, that you could get 25 carries out of the guy? And he goes, we don't want to. Uh, He's just not that type of back. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. I mean, as long as these guys are carrying the load. And, you know, a lot was made of the guys missing for Air Force, uh, which I believe they had five regulars not even necessarily starters, but five regulars out, including, I want to say, two wide receivers, which, you know, it's Air Force. Yeah, um, A lot of big deal made out of that, but the Cowboys played that game without starting right tackle Frank Crum. Uh, didn't let Peasley get breathed on once again. Did a really good job up front. Uh, no DQ James, no Joey Brash, and what we thought was going to be no Easton Gibbs. Uh, you and I got that news <laughs> in the parking lot before that one while we were at Dickies. And sorry, um, I, I did text you during the game to tell you, hey, Easton Gibbs is on the sideline and he's ready to go. And you said, in pads? And I said, yes, fully yeah. clothed. <laughs> I can't believe it. Of course, I just hit send on a story I write about how Easton Gibbs is going to miss this game. And I, I, when we heard that news, we both looked at each other went oh no well even when i i watched the replay of the, of the game on tv and those guys said i saw him in the game watching the tv broadcast and they were they just made the announcement and he's in the game while they're reading the announcement that he's out yeah and then a play later like well that was gibbs <laughs> on the tackle so he's definitely in the game and we just got handed another note from yeah. the sports information department yeah well and tim harkins the inf- sports information director at wyoming he he literally when my story was published he walked through the press row and said guys uh easton's sick he, there's no injury there's no anything that's crazy um he's just sick he has an illness so um okay cool and then he comes trotting out literally <laughs> like two plays later later so he must have made his way right to the tv booth and told them as well um he was not expected to play in that game uh you and i talked about it in the parking lot I, I spoke with somebody very close to the situation that said easton had a brutal 24 hours and the fact he played you know i'm not about to call it a michael jordan type of game but he uh that was a huge lift for this defense. And um, when we heard the starting middle linebacker and leading tackler was out of the game against Air Force, when the Cowboys were already double-digit underdogs, I, I know you and I both kind of looked at each other and went, oh, no. Of all the people to lose today, you lose Easton Gibbs. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the bell cow, as everybody calls him, because he is the middle linebacker. He calls the plays and makes adjustments, you know, um, makes sure guys are in the right spots before yeah. snaps and stuff like that. And, and he's just a true leader. Yeah. And, and he shows it on the field i mean he i don't know what he verbally does, says at practices or in the locker room or anything like that but he is a leader on the field for sure well and hats off to reed son the walk-on uh redshirt freshman who got his first start he got a few snaps anyway before easton came running in but easton's just falling in line in that coveted middle linebacker spot in laramie isn't he he just he looks the part he plays the part and now he you know he already had the ultimate respect of his teammates but now he's got the ultimate respect of everybody everybody yeah 
And, you know, maybe even most importantly, Craig Bowl. Yeah. If he didn't have it fully 100% before, he does now. Well, and I didn't know if Craig was joking or not, but he said that before, the, before you know, he was like, well, I found out that he couldn't play. And then we did the Cowboy walk into the stadium. And that's when I told Reed Son, hey, you're you're starting. Uh, you know, good luck. By the way, Reed Son was a long snapper. <laughs> he came here. He wanted to play linebacker. They threw him in at long snapper and uh, tore his ACL, of course. So missed all of last year. But a uh, really good story for him. But but Easton, I mean, we, we heard he was in the bathroom all night. And, of course, the Cowboys stay at the hotel uh, at the Hilton Garden Inn there across the road, and and uh, his mom had to go get him. I mean, he was that sick, and then to have a fever of 104. I, I even had some commenters on my story going, this is criminal that they're letting him play. And I'm like, you know, settle down, Doc. They're, well, they're not going to let him play if he's in too bad a shape. And it can spike at 104, and it could have been a misread. Who knows? Sure. But by, not only um, throughout the, the day – not only um, throughout the the day, but, but throughout the day. But he was definitely um, on an IV leading up to about an hour before the game. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, Jared, from up top, I was kind of worried about him in his gold pants. <laughs> well, at least they weren't in white. <laughs> I couldn't help but think about that. I'm like, this poor guy. I, I've been food. I, I believe it was food poisoning. It was some kind of weird illness like that. And I have uh, been there. It's not fun. So I must admit, I was checking out Easton Gibbs' backside <laughs> throughout that one because I would have really felt for him if uh, something bad happened. Uh, you know, you kind of talked about uh, Wyoming just gave Air Force a dose of their own medicine. And it did start on that opening drive. But, you know, the last drive, the last drive of the game only went 30 yards. Cowboys take 11 plays to go 30 yards, 4 minutes and 47 seconds, never gave the ball back to Air Force. Of course, we might be singing a different tune if Titus Wynn doesn't break a 3rd and 13, because why the hell are you handing the ball off on 3rd and 13? Um, but and he did bounce it outside. He, he, he You know, he, he made the adjustment on his own, but um, that's what that's – what players do i mean you know good players they mm-hmm. see those kind of things they can bounce it outside and they they see that the hole is filled they bounce it and you know that's kind of like a, a quarterback's options when they're looking down the field option one two three four yep. they finally dump it off well that's a running back if they see that option one is filled they got to bounce it to number two yep titus said he uh kicked it old school on that one like he did in high school i guess that was one of the knocks against him out of high school is he always cut it backside and <laughs> made it the tightest swin show but uh and you know offense coordinators cringe at that running back <laughs> coaches cringe at that because they're supposed to see that little tiny hole that the naked eye you and i probably can't see but the running back's supposed to see that hole because yeah. it's going to open by the time they get there yeah but um that one was definitely close and he did a good job of bouncing out because he actually had a tackler at his feet and he Yep. kind of bounced off of him so so titus is uh typically uh my experiences with him throughout these few years is he's always kind of a quiet reserve guy kind of has a shy smile you know but how about his interview with cbs sports after that game that was, <laughs> was, that was classic and um <laughs> yeah and then the other player that came in and was you know on yeah, him as Jeremy well Hollingsworth, yeah. Yeah. but it, it was good and uh it was in it was in good fun banter too i mean he he's excited after a game he's 19 20 years old you know yeah. give him a break and there was a few people that were like oh my goodness yeah but you know yeah i'm sure air force will pull it up next year yeah but you know what who cares i'm so glad that they treat this as a rivalry game and air force can not do it if they don't want to and we've seen how that's worked out for colorado state you know treating cu as enemy number one instead of wyoming um there's something to be said for that 
It, there absolutely is because you're not getting up that you know you're not getting up for that game as much as you potentially could, and that you know can kind of lead us into <laughs> into tomorrow's game in Provo, Utah. BYU. That's always been something that's eaten at me being a Wyoming native is that they don't treat you like you're their rival. Yeah, but they have and they act like they have no idea that everybody here absolutely hates their guts. Yeah, and you look at the coaching staffs too. They, I mean, you can see the determination on Wyoming sideline, mm-hmm. and Calhoun and his guys are just kind of ho hum. But they do have a lot of rivalries. I mean, they have their um, you know Army and Navy games, and then when they play CSU, of course, that is an intrastate rivalry. So of course, it's a little bit different, and maybe Wyoming is fourth on their list. Yeah. But at the same time, um, I think players from Wyoming look at it as a rivalry, not only because they do play them every single year because what they the the beatings they take on the on the lines those those blocks totally and stuff like that i mean it players don't like playing against no force and players have mentioned that that they they say hey you know we know the fans dislike csu way more but for us it's air force a lot of them have told me that and it's just because of what you just said yeah it's absolutely infuriating to play and speaking of those cut blocks what an unbelievable game from Cole Goodbow and Jordan Bertinoli. And those guys needed to be your best. And then you get six solo tackles on the outside at the defensive end spot from Braden Siders. Yeah, Siders was all over the field. Yeah. I mean, he, he was in the backfield several times. And even if he didn't make the tackle, he was mis- misdirecting the you know the running back or the quarterback. Yep. And they played the pitch, man, dang near perfectly. There was a didn't couple they? times like, oh. They gave but, up a long third down. Yeah, but, it, you know, they, they played very well. And Wyoming won the battle of the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They did. Probably 95% of the time. Yeah. I mean, they, they were pushing them back. Um, they were taking those, those cut blocks, per se, out of it because those are where those defensive tackles, just those shins and knees just take beating during that game. Mm-hmm. And I thought Bertinoli and uh, Goodbow did a very good job. They did. I mean, Brad Roberts... Brad Roberts was scary good coming into this, and he still is scary good. Um, But, you know, so many people were down on the Cowboys going into this game, and so many people said, you know, I write that story, Turning Point, and, you know, Unsung Hero, and What's Next, and you have no idea how many comments were like, What's Next is an absolute beating. Uh, There's no way the Cowboys are beating Air Force. And it was just – it was really gross. And I found myself getting on some people this week going, Guys, the Cowboys always play Air Force tight. They always play them tough. That's what makes this a great rivalry. It's not just the you know that we're down the road from them because none of those guys are even from Colorado for the most part. Brad Roberts is, so that's a bad yeah. example. But most of those guys aren't from Colorado, so that's not what it's about. It's about these games are always super tight. And you know, I wrote about it. What two thousand two, number twenty two Air Force comes into Laramie to play that team, and Wyoming smacks them in the mouth. It can happen, and I wasn't. I saw that point spread and thought it was crazy. Yeah, I. When you look at it, um, you know, it got to up to sixteen and a half by yep. kickoff, and I would have thought that maybe ten ish would have been about right. Yeah. But when it jumped, it started at fourteen and a half, and I was like, "Wow, that is a lot of points." People were putting too much weight into the fact that they hammered Colorado the way they did. And Colorado is awful. That is a really bad Colorado team. Yeah. There, I mean, Carl Durrell might be the next coach that gets dismissed. Yeah. Even though Rick George has come out and say, "Hey, we don't have the money to do that." <laughs> well, first of all, Rick, that was your hire, and that was a very bad hire. Yeah, that was a freak out hire. Because what Durrell was building a house in Boulder or something. I mean, that was a total like, oh my god, we just lost Mel Tucker. What do we do? 
But look at Darrell's. We, we don't want to get on CU's soapbox, but I mean, Darrell. <laughs> you might recall he was on the sideline when Wyoming beat him and his UCLA team in the he Las is Vegas Bowl. bad. <laughs> it's just so when you watch I rewatched most of that CU Air Force game and it wasn't as dominating as even that score showed and I know it rained a little and stuff but Air Force put the ball on the ground and they didn't look like world beaters either and they then they that's how bad CU is and then they beat up on a Northern Iowa team at home like they always do in their opening game of the year um I wasn't as impressed and Craig maybe he just pumped it up to his team you know he kept saying this is the best Air Force team I've ever seen in 9 years and maybe um they are clicking at a very high rate and they you know brad roberts did put out i believe the third best single season performance last year um which is saying something at the academy of course for a fullback but they didn't strike me as that scary and then when i saw the cushion on the first play from those cornerbacks i was thinking oh my god if they do that all day that's what the cowboys got burned on against tulsa yeah and if the if teams continue to do that wyoming will exploit those corners yeah no matter what because i mean like i said it's just the extension of a run game even if it's two yards three yards it's positive yards yep uh you know definitely game balls to tim polisek and jay savell the defensive coordinator um he had those guys ready to go and they're young i do want to say something um i'm i stand in the student section off to the north side i'm not in the heat of it but when air force took the lead Craig Bowl walks down. All the offensive linemen is waiting for the kickoff. They're all standing there. Craig Bowl walks down, clapping his hands, giving them fist pumps, and says something to the offensive line. They all look back at him, shaking their heads, yes, and kind of give him a fist pump back. I have never seen Craig Bowl do that. Now, I don't have my face, you know, my head turned to him every single time he's something like this in a situation, but I. You know, there's something there that Craig is a different person. 100%. And it is hard to say because he's 64 years old, but has he grown up along with this young Cowboy team? Yeah. I mean, starting back in the springtime? Yep. 100%. 100%. He, he is a different person. Yeah, we talked about that. Thorburn and I talked about that on last week's show. Um, we gave him a lot of credit because he's throwing around the word love. Um, he scored in some tears in a post-game press conference talking about Andrew Peasley after the Illinois loss. Uh, that doesn't happen, folks. And he jokes about Emmanuel Pregnon not going out for the point after attempt and <laughs> and Oluwasi Emoto show coming up to him and saying, my thumb hurts. I need a day <laughs> off of practice. Can you imagine telling Craig Bull that in the hallway, let alone on the sideline in the heat of a battle? If that would have happened in year one through three, <laughs> Gone. probably would have been off Gone. the team. Oh, yeah. Oh, he talked about those teams that he inherited from Dave Christensen being soft as Charmin anyway, and that's all he did for two years was drive people out. Yeah, and... Uh, I mean, he he sacrificed his record. He only had what six wins in his first two years. Yeah, two four wins and then two wins. Yep. I mean, he he probably sacrificed another five or six wins because he drove off all those people. He did. No, and, and you know it's it's really been apparent. And and I talked to Craig about it during the off season. I said he told us you know to lead the to lead these guys. I know that you've got to you've got to know them. And you know by all accounts, the last two years he has been not invisible but not very nice to be around and i don't want to say that's why every player entered the portal because that's not true but i know for a fact some of them did because they just didn't have a relationship with their head coach and that always struck me as bizarre and i think something that i hope craig opens up about one day i think covid really messed that dude up 
because he's so used to being a CEO and having control of the entire situation. And with COVID nineteen, we didn't. None of us had control of anything. And anything. I think, I think nobody hated COVID more than that guy. Um, as far as you know, respectfully, of course, people who lost family members. But he um, he has definitely changed, and he's put his money where his mouth is, and it's been really, really impressive to see. And he can tell you that till he's blue in the face. But I interviewed a lot of players, including some veteran guys like Gunnar Gentry, who've been around for a long time, and they said. Yeah, he wasn't very fun to be around. Um, not only did he walk around with a six-foot stick and a shield over his face like Andy Reid, he, you know, for all accounts, used his stick <laughs> and said, get away from me. And uh, he was brutal. Uh, I guess it just wasn't pretty. And the fact that, you know, Gunnar Gentry says, yeah, he was not a fun guy to be around, but now I'm ready to run through a wall for him. And um, why not? Why, why would you ever lose that? And that's my biggest question is, why would you lose that to where you're not you know, friendly with your your players, and you know, just a good guy all the time. You know, not all the time. Of course, there's a time to coach, but that drove me nuts. And I'll bet you, uh, I'll bet you, a shiny new nickel. COVID is what uh, what made Craig change, if you will. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like you said, everything was out of their control, and he he wants to be in control of everything. Obviously, uh, not letting people into practices. You know, He's still good at that. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody walking through the end, hey, go get that guy out of here. Yep. Well, it's another student athlete walking into the center, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. He's great but, at uh, that. Yeah, just going back to the Air Force game, you know, Wyoming, like you said, probably played the best full game on, in the Craig Bull era. And this is definitely by far the best coaching job, this coaching staff. I mean, I know that there's a few coaches that come and go all the time that I have seen because you're preparing for something you don't see every week. You only see it one time a year, yep. usually. And they did it to a T. So hats off to that um, to that scout team as well. Because they must have done a hell of a job during the week showing both sides of the ball. Yep. Caden Becker apparently was running the show uh, from the quarterback position during practice. On that scout team, uh, Jay Savell told me they the minute they saw the schedule came, come out and they knew that they had Air Force on a short week, which is another thing that's really made this, this outing impressive, is they've been preparing for Air Force during the summer, during spring, and during fall. Well, how about when I, you asked him a question about that and he said that he, they had stuff inserted in July. Yep, they did. Yep, they did. They absolutely, you know, and, you know, you might think, you know, it's easy to gripe about these coaches and hit the keys on your keyboard and rage and everything, but they knew this was a short week the minute that schedule came out and they started preparing for Air Force. And when you talk to players, they go, yeah, you know, during the spring, you know, we have a couple, you know, a day dedicated to Air Force. And then during the fall camp, we have a day or two dedicated to Air Force. And that's a delicate balance because you, you'd like to think all the eggs were in Illinois basket, right? <laughs> when that's the first team you're playing, but really good job from the staff. Can't say it enough. And I know they say it's a computer that comes up with these schedules and stuff like that, which is not fully true because of the academy. Yep. Playing the other two academies, they have to do they do schedule around yep. Air Force, cause, which is fine. You know, that it is what it is. But um, you look at the history of this game in the Mountain West. I, I don't want to go back to the WAC days, but it's usually like two, two years in a row in September. Early. And yep. then it goes to like November. And then it goes back to two years and it's like I wish it would mix around a little bit more to where it's like maybe September this year and then next year it goes to November. Yeah. Granted, I don't want to be in Colorado Springs in November because it, it's colder there than it is in Laramie, I think. <laughs> but um, it, it's I think there's an advantage of playing Air Force later in the year because they are beat up a little bit. They don't have that so-called depth 
that you would think they do and they're you know they are undersized a little bit mm-hmm. and stuff like that and they, they do get beat up a little bit towards the end of the year absolutely but wyoming took advantage of everything they could of last friday night and came out with a dub so yep wyoming beats air force 17 to 14 gave the falcons a little bit of their own mess and long drives back-breaking first downs on offense kept the falcons at a third and fourth and short that's how you take care of the air force academy really big win for the cowboys Speaking of potential really big wins, we're going to talk about the next opponent on the schedule. Um, those three infamous letters. Uh, coming up in Provo, Utah, we'll see. Welcome back to the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Stop in or order online at dickies.com for your tailgating food today. Brisket burnt ends. Mm, I know you were raving about oh, the burnt ends. I usually I, don't like burnt ends. Oh, I love Which the is crazy. Ends. But speaking of beer, Wyoming's playing BYU tomorrow. There won't be any beer <laughs> at the stadium or at the pregame. Uh, maybe at the Cowboy Joe pregame because it's off campus, but... There is. I saw that. I saw their advertisement for it. And, cash bar and in guys Provo. the game's actually today we're just taping it the day before <laughs> yeah. sorry because cody <laughs> is driving to provo as soon as we're done here i am and you know that brings up another great point i never thought in a million years i would be back in that town in that stadium i i always blow by it uh, maybe with my hand out the window on the way to sin city that's about it well a lot of people are gonna be jealous of where i am going to be or am <laughs> today actually <laughs> the golf course at devil's tower oh there you go yeah it's one of it's might be my favorite place in the state of wyoming you're going to devil's tower and i'm going to provo we got a lot of golf to play on saturday and sunday (laughs) well this is the 79th meeting between the cowboys and cougars Uh, byu with a 45 30 and 3 overall lead in the series they've won eight straight the last time the wyoming cowboys won in Lavelle Edwards Stadium, then Cougar Stadium, 1987. A long time ago. Uh, and I've been to, I want to say, six games maybe there, six Wyoming-BYU games as a fan, and um, that place, I don't mind telling you, is an absolute house of horrors. It is, and there's there's been some opportunities there that you think that Wyoming's going to go in there and win, or should have won, and then there's a punt return for a touchdown. No. Uh, Corey Bramlett through an interception one time and I'm in the booth in the radio booth and Billy Cockhill the offense coordinator at the time just going bananas <laughs> put his fist through the wall wow yeah <laughs> and I heard everything that could have come out of a guy's mouth so are you saying the taxpayers of Wyoming bought a new wall inside the coach's they booth had to pay stadium? somebody to uh <laughs> and I know that wasn't the only time that Billy Cockhill had done that <laughs> and I don't care if anybody calls me out on him because I don't like that guy I'm glad to see you had some emotion um but he and then he lit Corey up on the sideline and I honestly think that that ruined Corey's career was it one now where Corey would have been in the transfer portal on Monday? Absolutely. <laughs> really? Even though Corey was from Wheatland, Wyoming. Corey hung up the phone. Wow. I was watching on the sideline, and Corey hung up the phone on Billy. 
And wow. then Billy goes off again. <laughs> Puts another hole oh, in the hole. It was, But anyway, we don't need to get into that. But uh, it is a house of horrors, like you said. I can't get into a lot of, uh, you know, every week I write a, a story gear up for game day where I give you the links on where to find the game and all that. Um, and I, I already wrote it. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of BYU stories I can tell, um, you know, for fear of getting a pink slip mainly. But I will tell you the last game I went to there was that 55-7 to debacle where BYU nearly ran back the opening kickoff. And um, let's just say my buddy l- left the game right after that um, against his own will. And... Spent the after or the evening in the uh, Spanish Fork, Utah jail cell, where the cops kept coming over and putting the score on a piece of paper and putting it on his window. I would still be residing in Spanish Fork if that would have happened to me. Um, <laughs> I did leave that game off my feet. Um, two very nice police officers helped me out of that stadium off my feet, and uh, you know, good for them because I was rocking about two thirty back then. So. They carried me right out the front gate and dropped me and said, have a nice night. I wasn't involved (laughs) in the story I'm going to tell because it was before my time. But in the mid-80s, there was a bunch of guys and their fraternity brothers, I believe, were hanging out at the alibi in Laramie. And they, you know, had a few libations that night. And they decided to get a bus that evening and go to Utah. So they drive to Provo after the bar closes in Laramie. They get there for kickoff. And they all stumble out of this bus. <laughs> and a guy goes up and gets on the statue. Oh, no. And Of the cougar or Brigham yeah, Young? of the cougar. Oh. And the guy telling the story, and I'm not going to say his name because I can't. <laughs> he goes... He it's goes, Craig Bull. It is one of the funniest things because all these BYU fans said... Hey, Cougar fans, let's go get that guy off that Cougar. <laughs> I had to say it in that voice because you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so that's one of my favorite stories. And and, uh, and if you're listening out there, you know who I'm talking about. So Well, and that's the thing with this rivalry, too. And I wrote about it, um, blowing my whole story here. But um, this wasn't a friendly, this isn't a friendly rivalry. It's not, I, I haven't met any Wyoming fans that say, oh, yeah, my best friend's a BYU fan, or, you know, you don't break bread with them, and you certainly don't have beers with them. Um, It's just, it's never been friendly at all. Um, We don't, like, say, hey, welcome to Laramie. Glad you made the trip. Um, We were never glad they made the trip. Um, So that's what's weird, because, you know, I think all of us kind of have a buddy maybe who is a CSU jerk or whatever and but he's your jerk you know but BYU I never had a BYU jerk and the majority of us probably have a distant relative that is LDS I mean that's just the way it is in the state of Wyoming uh, being that close but um, it is a it's a true rivalry and um, yeah they've only played twice in the last what 12 years uh, one was in a bowl game and then one was the last game in the Mountain West era that when BYU was in it but uh, it was it was it was sad to see it go because those trips over there, even though they never Wyoming never came out on the winning end most of the time there, they were still fun to go to. I yeah. mean, you know, it's close, especially for that western side of the state. They eat it up even more than people on the eastern side of the state. I mean, yeah. that truly is their rival yeah. because they have to deal with they have to they have to watch Salt Lake TV, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And ours, of course, over here on this side is CSU. And because we all used to have to watch Denver TV. Yep. That's a good point. And, and it's true. I know I'm um, spending some time uh, one summer, uh, some time, a night in Thane, Wyoming, which is in Star Valley. Um, 
yeah, there's no the news is out of Idaho. The newspapers and stuff, you know, so you know, Star Valley Independent. No, no offense, they do a great job, but uh, yeah, TV. The, all TV was Salt Lake. All TV was Idaho, and um, that's just not. They're not hearing the same news we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so bash on Channel Five and K Two all you want. <laughs> uh, they don't cover BYU at least. So you know, I guess yeah. At least, what are some other memories that really come up with this one i know for me 1996 um was an absolute heartbreaker um i'd never been on an airplane before but my dad lived 100 miles from las vegas so i said hey i'm gonna need you to pick me up at the airport i need a ride down to stapleton mom um i also need 100 bucks i'm not missing this game no way no how uh, that 96 team was so special to me and you know back then the they used to say cowboy fever all the time i 100 percent mine spiked like easton gibbs back then to <laughs> say the least so um it, that game was so heartbreaking and i'm not blaming the the safety from tiller or any of that just to lose that game was so heartbreaking and i remember i no shame here i remember being in the parking lot sitting on my dad's tailgate crying like a little girl and uh the only thing that made me smile through those tears was some byu jerk was walking by me and he started talking smack and uh he didn't notice the trailer hitch in front of him and uh did a little tumble so i laughed in my tears yeah laughed in my tears for a minute but that one really hurt well that particular game that was my first year away from wyoming i was and actually in media relations doing an internship at Tulsa and I was at a, a basketball tournament in Cape Girard um, Missouri mm. at SEMO and they actually had a really nice concourse so during timeouts I was go- I was running out to the concourse and they had TVs wow and we're talking 1996 that's pretty sophisticated especially well, for a smaller school well plus you remember where you were yeah <laughs> <That's pretty laughs> and uh, so I was out there watching it and because yeah we had had a laptop but at the same time it wasn't the updates that you would get yeah that as quick as you do today yeah. um so that was my memory of the game and if i did record it and i watched it when i got home so i was heartbroken that night but uh joe glenn's first year yeah uh byu comes into laramie and it wasn't a great byu team but once again it's a it's a first year it wasn't a great wyoming yeah, team that's first for sure year. there's a reason that it's first year because the other guy was uh fired and um, I had a couple of buddies on the sideline. They came up from Arizona. One's an alum, and one was his friend and a high school friend of mine. And so we got sideline passes. We're standing down there, and I'm working at Cowboy Joe at the time, and I'm talking to somebody, and I go back over, and they just go, oh, my gosh, coach just came over here and said that they're going to run a fake punt here. And I said, no, he didn't. <laughs> so what are you guys talking about? Do you have too many beers before the game or what? <laughs> Lo and behold, they run a fake punt with uh, Guy Tool, the up the up man. He takes a snap, first down. Coach Glenn walks right back over and looks at him and goes, told you so. <laughs> Turns around and walks off. And I'm like, uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, love so Coach I talked Glenn. to Coach after that, and he was like, oh, yeah, why not tell people? <laughs> Just he, don't they tell can't them. broadcast it across. It. They can't <laughs> tell anybody. It was two seconds before it happened. Uh, I'm like, oh, great. my goodness. <laughs> Gotta love Joe Glenn. That was a very special win because they also beat Colorado State that year. And it was the first sign. You know, obviously the goalposts went down both times. Uh, Tyler Gottschalk, the only offense in that one uh, with a 60-yard pick six, um, but that um, it gave us some hope because uh, we were pretty hopeless for a few years. There. And probably 1999 would be a, another was, one that was That know, one was special to me. Because yeah. I was actually, <laughs> I wasn't there for that one either. I was doing the trophy tour at the time, and I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska, watching the game on TV, and it's, you know, it, it was really warm in Lincoln that day. It was warm in Laramie it for was November. 60-some degrees in Laramie that yeah. day. Yeah. And yeah, the, the goalposts 
still hanging in the buckhorn. Yep, I uh, I helped with that one. I must say that was a that was a great memory because Kevin Federick was supposed to be their next awesome quarterback in the long line of many, which we'll talk about another one of those guys that is entering the chat uh, that you'll see in this one. Uh, but Kevin Federick was supposed to be the real deal, and, and man, the Cowboys just hammered them that night. Uh, Jay Stoner hit Wendell Montgomery for a couple touchdowns, hit Kofi Shuck for one. Uh, Chuck Wara was all over the place, had a couple sacks. Brian Van Emmerich with a couple of sacks. Um, it, I think, too, uh, why it's such a great memory was all that stuff, but also like you mentioned, the weather was beautiful like unseasonably unbelievably awesome i remember wearing a t-shirt it had a really bad slogan on it and um <laughs> one of the visiting fans did not appreciate it and actually jumped over the railing and came up and uh, grabbed me on the uh, field so i'm glad uh, i didn't spend my first night in the acdc yet uh with that one but um yeah this this game is um to me i wrote about it it's um it was always stressful, uh, you know, because it wasn't friendly in the parking lot. And it always felt like, you know, this is uh, just you're not in a joyous, happy mood about it. So I never uh, I, I do not have a lot of warm and fuzzy feelings, especially going to Provo. It's just, you know, let's be real. It's just not anything that we're used to. Um, there's no porta potties in the in the parking lot for crying out loud. <laughs> nobody's nobody's partying. So it's really bizarre. But um, Craig Bull talked about it earlier this week, Jared, that. I asked him in his press conference, is this a game where, you know, because you're not in the same conference anymore and and because these youngsters have no idea that BYU, what BYU and beating them means to the people of the state, do you bring in former players? Um, you know, for instance, you have Nick Talich on the team. I'm sure Jim Talich would be thrilled to come talk to these guys and tell them about, you know, he was in that 96 game. Um, he said no. He, he thinks it'd be counterproductive. But upon further review, talked to a couple of players, that sneaky Craig Bull brought in a member of the Black 14 to talk to the team during camp, and uh, every one of them talked about how impactful it was to hear those words. And if you think about how um, race relations are these days and how Americans specifically handle race relations these days compared to what they did in those days, um, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these Cowboys took it that way. Like, wow, because you don't just bat an eye at a racist anymore. You... You chastise them. You run them out of town kind of thing. And you know those that coaching staff will remind them of that visit um, come Saturday before they take the field um, at some point. Maybe it's a hotel or in the locker room. Who knows? But, yeah, the bringing the players in, I I remember Coach Glenn did do that every single home game. It seemed like he had somebody. He had access to Galen Thaxton, the Mike Shenbecks, guys like that that were very boisterous, but yet – they might lose they might say a few words that you wouldn't hear um you know with the door open put it that way uh but yeah i don't know how productive those things really are anymore though because these kids they're not they're not wired the same as you and i and before our time were or are i mean these these kids they they get fed news off their phone in three to five word increments that's true and and nobody on this team has played against BYU before so they don't probably view it as a rivalry BYU however can't say that (laughs) (laughs) true five of their players played in the poinsettia bowl 2016 they were on that roster and they're juniors on this roster how is this possible (laughs) well we we say that all the time uh you know I mean there's they haven't played them in basketball for in such a long time, but you would you'd go through different coaches 
and you'd think like a coach had been there forever and it's like holy cow that player was a freshman when so-and-so coached or played (laughs) and now they're a senior yeah you've gone through six coaching staffs unlike galen taxton who actually did go through three football coaching staffs while he was here and only played four years (laughs) (laughs) um i I went on espn radio in provo uh earlier this week and ben criddle former player uh for byu um he asked me a question do Mormon missionary do do Mormon missions help? Because that's the theory, right? That everybody gripes when they play BYU that these are grown men. What are we doing? Um, if they win, that's the ready-made excuse, right? Um, so he asked me that. He posed the question, and I didn't really have anything too intelligent to say about that. But I did say that it, you know, uh, if I'm 23 years old and I run into a 19-year-old at the bar and he's lipping off, I'm gonna I'm gonna waste him. Um, because I'm 23 and he's 19, and and if he's you know coming up to me, he's in big trouble. So, does do these Mormon missions help? I think it definitely does when you're talking about offense and defensive linemen because they mature that much more. Um, it might even hurt on the other side of it though with skill guys because you know you might lose a little bit of speed. You might not be that that 19 year old athlete that you were yeah. when you come back off a of mission at 21 true i mean it, it may may be counterproductive that way but i definitely think those interior or those linemen on both sides of the balls and maybe linebackers and you know quarterback they're most likely going to redshirt anyway so it's a three-year redshirt and don't tell me they're not getting fed game note or game you <laughs> film know, film and um, playbooks yeah. and don't have access to working out, there's no way that that's the f- – you used to hear that, well, they, they can't pick up a ball, they can't do that. I, there's no way that that's true. Yeah, yeah, no, and I don't know. I The other point that I brought up to Ben was, you know, I assume Wyoming players are worried about Xbox when BYU players are changing diapers. And that's what was – that. I, I will give BYU some serious credit here on their um, official roster – I mean, it tells their whole shebang, where they went on their mission, um, how many children they have, when they married their wife, the whole nine. Post-game, tonight, behind the numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know how long it's going to take to find out how many children. No, it's on there. You already have it right in front of you. <laughs> i got to count all those. Um, you know, it's funny, uh, during our media um, availability on Monday, I actually asked uh, Tim Harkins, you know, do any Wyoming players even have a kid? Is this Wyoming? It's rare that any of them have a kid anyway, but this team is just that young. And he mentioned that Erica Boje has a kid, um, but that's the only one. And I said, are any of the Wyoming players married? Um, No, they're not. That, to our knowledge anyway, so sorry if I'm missing somebody, but that's... Think about yourself when you have children and yourself when you're married. You're just a different person. You're a different... To a degree, you're a more mature person, you like to think. Um, I know having a baby certainly changed my life. I don't even have time to watch 162 Phillies games like I used to. I don't have time to watch two a week. So the focus is different. So they're almost, I assume, going to football like a job. And it's like their job. And they do, um, our guys, I assume, are literally like any spare second they have. They're playing Xbox and they're hanging out with their buddies or maybe going to the bar. And you don't realize that that stuff really isn't as important as you thought it was. Yeah. Like yeah. watching, you know, 162 Phillies games or watching as many other sporting events. I don't TV. watch many sports anymore. I don't either. Yep. And it's it's one of those things. And the kids I have, they're in college now, and we're empty nesters, and I still don't watch as much because I've been out of that mode. Mm-hmm. But when I was single, 
That's oh, all I did. Me too. I mean, you told me about your, your bachelor day on Saturday with the Cowboys not playing. Oh, yeah. That was classic. I, I love that. I felt like a slug. <laughs> but, you know, Wyoming played on a Friday night, and I watched football from 10 a.m. to midnight. God, that's good. And I tried to do it, and I, I couldn't even accomplish that. And, and my had, baby was out of town. I had two TVs going. <laughs> well, also, betting probably plays a little bit into that, doesn't it? I don't it? do that anymore. Really? I have, I'm have. i in pools, Yeah, but I don't do the betting anymore. Oh, okay. Yep, I gave up on that. Okay. I'm glad I never started that. I found out in a hurry that I wasn't even good at it. <laughs> well, let's talk about a little bit about this uh, current BYU squad. Jaron Hall, really good quarterback. Uh, just another one in the long line of, of great quarterbacks to play in Provo. He's already uh, has 827 yards passing under his belt through three games. He's completing nearly 70% of his balls, five touchdowns. Uh, he can also run a little bit. He's not going to go completely nuts. He has 23 attempts for 62 yards this year so far, uh, but he's elusive. He can throw out of the pocket. Uh, Craig Bull is really impressed with this guy to the surprise of absolutely no one. Um you know, I wrote about it also this week. BYU is BYU. Um, they haven't changed. They're, they still have monstrous offensive linemen. They still uh, throw quick hitters to the outside where their guy's going to beat you. And uh, they're physical on defense, especially at the linebacker spot. They come downhill and they pop you in the mouth, and that's just what BYU's known for. Uh, what BYU has struggled with, however, in the last two weeks more specifically, which, you know, they weren't playing cupcakes either. They had number nine Baylor, and then they played another top 25 team last week in Oregon. Uh, the Ducks obviously coming away with the win there. Uh, BYU is not correct. They have, as a team, has not cracked the 100-yard rushing mark in the last two games. Uh, the first one really looked impressive, but they were playing South Florida, and they didn't even necessarily run wild against them either. Uh, so, you know, Christopher Brooks is their leading tailback. He has 36 attempts, 194 yards. That's an average of 5.4 per carry, two touchdowns. Um, but they have one of the best returning offensive lines in the country. They have three starters. I believe Pro Football Focus says their right tackle is the best pass-blocking tackle that's returning in the country this year. Um, obviously, they're doing just fine in pass-blocking. Uh, Jaron Hall's been sacked four times in three games, and that's against Baylor and Oregon. Um, but they're not running the ball with the efficiency you would think you would get. And they're, Christopher Brooks is 6'1", 230 pounds. Yeah, and you mentioned Brooks. He only had 28 yards against Oregon yeah. on 10 carries. That's not a good average. <laughs> no. He had a rough outing, too, against against Baylor. It has not been pretty. But, yeah, 61 yards on the ground against Oregon. Uh, they did pass the ball pretty good against the Ducks, but a lot of that was in mop-up duty, to be honest with you, because the game was 38-7 to heading into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Oregon was in complete control, and they dominated both lines of scrimmage. And I think they obviously out-athleted them. But they out them, too. Well, we only have a couple of minutes left here, Jared, but uh, two wide receivers are practicing this week. They have missed. They're two of their better wide receivers. Uh, uh, Puka Nuka, or Nukau, I... Good luck, Reese Monaco, this week. Uh, Gunner Romney, the other one. I know Gunner is a really good uh, wide receiver for them. They have not played in the last two weeks, but I read in the Salt Lake Tribune they are practicing this week. Uh, their offensive coordinator is hopeful that they will return. Uh, Dallin Holker, tight end, their leading tight end so far this year. He has announced he is entering the transfer portal after catching five balls against Oregon. I guess he, uh, his dad was very uh, outspoken, uh, outspoken to the media this week and said that he wants more production and wants to be able to utilize his talent more. There was also a report in the Salt Lake Tribune that he might be heading toward the University of Utah. But one thing real quick, uh, we're literally running 
close to time here is uh, BYU only has five sacks this year, and that really stuck out to me because they are really aggressive on defense. And yeah, I mean, this can be a big test for the Cowboys, uh, you know, both sides of the ball, but if they can control the line of scrimmage like they did against Air Force, even though BYU is a 20-point favorite, I can see Wyoming keeping it very, very close in this coming down to the fourth quarter yeah and that's what that's all you can ask for really right here man this would be huge if the cowboys can play half as efficient as they played against air force especially on that side of the ball make byu one-dimensional uh throw the ball around the yard a little bit titus win looks like titus win why not i uh i don't know if i like the cowboys in this one i it's just i've had so many terrible times in that stadium and it just scares me to ever i i did pick the cowboys to pull off the upset but you know why? All that stuff you were saying about Craig Bull. That's why. Because I think there's something special going on right now. This has been the 7220sports.com kickoff show presented by Dickie's Barbecue Pit in Laramie and Cheyenne. This show is also sponsored by Rocky Mountain Shirtworks, Wild Lotto, Papa Murphy's Pizza, and Warren's Repair and Tone. Thank you for joining us. For Jared Newland, I'm Cody Tucker. Stay tuned for Wyoming football next right here on KOWB.